Hello and welcome to episode 207 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and Phyrexians for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado, and with me on the line from Chicago, Illinois, it's the one and only godfather, Dave Harbarger. Hey. Hey, Dave. (laughs) Dave, I like that flannel. You like this flannel? I like your floral. It's a floral and a flannel. Yeah. Yeah, I it's uh, I'm into bonobos lately. Bonobos get at us. They have they have many sizes. That would be huge. We're we're people who need special sizes for things. Is it bonobos or yeah. bonobos? Oh, that's actually a really good question. I always said bonobos. I, I was talking it was like to Jane bonobos. Goodall the other day, and she told me it was bonobo. <laughs> she might have been messing Jane, with me though. Jane Goodall, get at us. Sponsor our podcast. <laughs> so this is gonna be a fun week. So this is our first spoiler episode. Without Stan in a long time. We've done it before. Yeah, you're right. But I feel like we've had a guest, or he's been on one of the two, and I don't think he's going to be on either of the spoiler episodes for the set. And I feel like we're going to lack that certain Stan sensibility. You mean to pick a card that you absolutely think won't be good enough and then argue with you about it? Is that the the sensibility? That's it. I mean... While I sit back and watch you guys do that? (laughs) For whatever reason, I just always think back to Dovin Bon. And that's like, that was the first one I remember just being like, no, this is not a playable card. And that's 200 episodes ago. I, I mean, it's, the, you know, you never forget your first time talking about spoiler cards. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about a whole mess of spoiler cards. Lots of Phyrexian fun this week. I mean, New Phyrexia certainly looks like a mess. That's a, If there's one way to describe <laughs> it, I don't know what we're doing anymore. What are, Magic lore, what are we doing anymore? It's a mess. Dave, I wasn't around... For old Phyrexian stuff. Sure. What is, what's the conceit of this? What do you mean? They're like the ultimate original big bad guys in magic. More than the, the Emrakulians? Yeah. Phyrexians go back to antiquities. They they were, oh, okay. they're way back. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess you can tell me about- I can't do this about, show anymore. A, what are you talking about? There's a lot of callbacks in this, in this set. So I'm looking forward to you telling me about what kind of random Phyrexian effects these are. Yeah. I mean, these are callbacks specifically to the Mirrodin and Scars of Mirrodin era. So remember, Mirrodin is the first set of modern, right? It's the first set that's in yeah, No, Dark, Darksteel is, right? No, Mirrodin's the first set. Darksteel is a sequel to Mirrodin. Okay, fine. Yeah. And then later on, during the era when I was beginning to play Magic again, that's, you know, I started in the very end of Alara block, played Zendikar block, and then I believe that Mirrodin was the one right after that, though I could be wrong. So Scars of Mirrodin was the one after that. And that's where we ended up with New Phyrexia, which is the, um, you know, the source of Phyrexian mana and many other things that people complain about. And now we're back here. But can I just say, these Cenobites are crazy. Am I right? <laughs> What is up with... It's, They're making me thirsty. These Cenobites are making me thirsty. Yeah, exactly. Well, Dave, we'll have a lot of we'll, we'll, we'll have a lot of Cenobites to talk about. Everything has six arms and blades for fingertips and then eyeballs on stalks. And what is this? I mean, I keep, I keep looking at these blade arms and I'm like, what am I doing wrong with my life that I don't have these? <laughs> exactly. Before we get into this, though, Dave, let's do some brief housekeeping. We have one new patron, one new citizen of the Dive Down Nation. It's Omar B. Omar, thank you for signing up via the Patreon. No new tiers, no new reviews. I did notice, though, that we're up to 318 starry reviews on Spotify. That's that's quite a few. Thanks for all you getting in that Spotify app and throwing some stars our way. We appreciate it. 
If you want to be like Omar, if you want to join the Patreon, you can go over to patreon.com slash the dive down. It's the best way to support us, keep us going, let us know that you like what you're doing. Uh, it's funny. I think Omar joined today and immediately I like when new people join in spark conversation where they're like, I want to talk about decks. I want to talk about learning how to be better at magic and us aside. We do have quite a few people in the Dive Down Nation who are actually good at magic and actually do grind and learn. And I like when we have conversation about, you know, becoming better at magic. Yeah. I have to say, you, you ever read you ever read The Great Gatsby, Shane? Uh, when did we read that in high school? Like I, 10th grade? I don't know. 10th grade. I sometimes in the Discord, at this point in my magic career, I feel a little bit like Gatsby, who's sort of like hosts the party, but isn't in the party. <laughs> You know, (laughs) you're sort of like, let me introduce you to these people because I'm not good at magic, but these people that I know are. And, but I have a podcast, so I'm really, we're party hosts now. I think that's what it is. I mean, I like adding more people to the party, patreon.com slash the dive down. And if you want to support us by wearing some dive down merch, head on over to the store, the dive down.com slash store. We've got cool t-shirts and hats and hoodies and fanny packs. If you like playing magic online, if you want to get better at magic, it's a very good way to do so. You can use the rental service Manitraders, manitraders.com. Use sign up code the dive down 10 for 10% off your first two months of Manitraders service. And that gets us a little kickback there. Of course, our ongoing partnership with Barrister and Man. We have a new code, new code alert. Hmm? The Dive Down 2023. The Dive Down 2023. And of course, if you want to buy some paper cards at Nerd Rage Gaming, our friends over at who run the uh, NRG Open Circuit, you can use code DIVE8 just for 8% off your order. Did it. So Dave. Yep. We're, we're talking about some previews of, what what is this set even called? One? One? All will be one. All will be one. And the code is one. And... So we have a few problems with these previews, right? Like there was a, a whole bunch of leaks, stuff that was in like, you know, Dominaria United packs or some such remastered nonsense. packs. By the way, I opened up some Dominaria remastered packs and uh, don't do that. Buy the singles. I'm going to go with the professor on this one. <laughs> I mean, I, I love open packs, but this one I was like, what? <laughs> so the problem here though, is that typically... We try our best to like avoid leaks, right? And we use Scryfall as our source of truth for kind of what's a leak and what's a legitimate spoiler. You know, Mythic Spoiler, they kind of like will post some leaks a little bit earlier, so I don't always use them. Scryfall is hosting a lot of these cards, whether or not I think they've been officially spoiled. If it's on Scryfall, I think we basically have to consider it spoiled at this point. Uh, apologies if that's not your thing, but you're probably not listening to spoiler episodes if that's not your thing. So just roll with it with us. Uh, if anyone out there, you know, had their their spoiler, you know, leaked a little bit early, I, I feel bad for you because it is fun to have fun with your your spoiler and, and get some eyes on your your stream or your Twitter or whatever. But it's Wizard's fault, right? It's the printer's fault. Who knows? Who knows? We're sorry. We tried. We've held off for a long time. Yeah, We're, we are a little bit behind some other podcasts at this point so we gotta catch up you know what no one i've heard talk about though in their podcasts are the mechanics and oh, there's some cool oh, you mechanics know we do a good job of that <laughs> oh yeah we got to extend this runtime somehow shane what's your favorite mechanic from phyrexia all will be one man i'll tell you in a second okay but this is this this first one's not my favorite it's close okay. though okay so it's it's toxic 
Toxic's a new keyword. Yeah. And toxic is anytime a creature with toxic deals combat damage to a player, that player gets a number of poison counters equal to the toxic value of the creature. So like if it says toxic six, they get six poison counters. It's not like infect where the power of the creature then deals infect damage. And so here's an example, jawbone duelist, one on a white double strike one, one with toxic one. Yeah. So toxic is just dramatically different than the way infect strategies would work in the past. Like, you know, you, you would buff and protect your infect creatures to deal 10 infect as quickly as possible, effectively having your opponent's life total dealing all infect damage. I don't really know how well the toxic cards I've seen are going to work for constructed like infect all by itself isn't really viable anymore. I mean, I'm sorry, infect mains out there. It's, you know, it's going to pop up here and there. It's that's what the existing infect rules as is like toxic, I think seems in constructed potentially like just strictly worse right now, unless there are some bonkers toxic numbers somewhere where if you do get some damage and maybe like some really cool flyer or some ability to give a creature toxic X or something like that, like that's something I can see making toxic potentially viable. Yeah. I mean, I think there is one asterisk to this with in my mind, but I think for the most part, yeah, toxic is definitely slipping under, uh, slipping under in fact, and you know, I wish it was yeah. a little bit different, but I don't think the potential's there the same way. You know, I think it's already gotten pretty late for in fact, like you said, so we, we can give up on it. Except for one asterisk. We're going to talk about one card. I think you know what it's going to be that uh, I think has a chance to make Infect interesting, at least at least for modern. Uh, obviously, I mean, it's a, it's a toxic card, but it does Infect damage. Or get some poison counters. Yeah. Yeah, it's called foreshadowing. But I, I was just looking through this, through Skyfall at all the cards that have been spoiled with Toxic so far. And like, you know, <laughs> there's, there's none that have really huge amounts of Toxic. There's one called uh, Paladin of Predation that has Toxic 6, but it costs 7 mana, and it's a 6-7, and it can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less. It's got that mechanic on it. There are a bunch of tokens that are generated here with Toxic. There's like maybe a swarm strategy that's possible. I know that there's there's one thing that makes, uh, you know, there's a piece of equipment that whenever equipped creature attacks, create a 1-1 colorless Phyrexian might this artifact, you know, artifact creature with Toxic. But I, I just, I don't know. Sorry. Maybe there's just some wild way to be like, blow up a card and make like seven Toxic you know, tokens and then like go, go wide strategy, like you said, but this seems like a limited mechanic and another limited mechanic coming up that kind of goes hand in hand with the toxic theme is corrupted, which is a new ability word abilities that, you know, make cards do things if an opponent has three or more poison counters. So the example here, we have the seed core, which is a sphere land. You can tap it to add colorless. You can tap it to add one mana of any color, which can only be spent to cast Phyrexian creature spells. And then as a corrupted ability, you can tap and give target one, one creature plus two, plus one until end of turn, if they have three or more poison counters. So, I mean, the seed core is like, an interesting option for old school infect decks. It provides mana for your early creature drops and then buffs them to plus two to finish off the opponent, but then it can't generate spell mana in basically any way. So I don't know about that. I mean, no, there's one thing that infect likes and that's spells as it turns out. Yeah. You like a lot of spells. You yeah. like to pump. It's your, it's your giant growth deck. Not with toxic. It's not, that won't work. No, 
I mean, there's like static corrupted abilities on things like enchantments that give creatures you control lifelink or like spells that have corrupted abilities that'll have like additional effects. If you have a corrupted opponent, this seems kind of win more when it's working. And then like maybe like a bad floor when it's not like, but we'll have to look at the synergies in the set. Like if, if they're, if they don't have infect counters, then your corrupted cards don't do anything. And if they do, then it's like, sweet, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing already. They have infect counters, but right. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. So I, yes, I don't buy this one as any constructed mechanic either. Dave, there's equipment in this set. Of course. Which makes sense. Yeah. There's a new triggered ability, however. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, this is the sets, the blocks, Scars of Mirrodin block. And I believe Nufraxia in particular is where Living Weapon was premiered to everybody. And so that idea of an equipment that comes into play with a token attached to it, we have a, a new twist on that idea in this one with kind of the best, this is like the best mechanic name I've ever seen. <laughs> I think. This is so silly. Why did they do this? For Mirrodin! For Mirrodin! And what does that do? Well, what it says is, it's an ETB when equipment comes in with a 2-2 rebel creature token that immediately equips to it. So it's the same as your germ, except it has stats, which is kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. Like, it's better than the germ in, in some way. The, the, unfortunately, the equipment that we've seen that features for Mirrodin that I've seen, at least, is is not very good. Not yet, so, anyway. Yeah, no. we'll see. But I do think we know that Living Weapon is good, okay? And yes. this is not different from Living Weapon. It just all depends on no. what creatures they pick and how what stats they pick, basically, and how costly these things are. So, for example, the one that you have here, this two generic and a blue called blade of shared souls whenever blade of shared souls becomes attached to a creature for as long as blade of shared souls remains attached to it you may have that creature become a copy of another target creature you control that is a cheap 2-2 clone effect right so it's a clone effect on an equipment yeah but like i don't think we're really doing that no we're not i mean we already have clones that can be lands you mean like the for the same mana cost so yeah but however if they make one that's like three mana for a four four and the equipment gives plus two plus two and has equip one or something weird like that like there's a chance you would maybe consider that in some kind of aggro deck i mean there's always a chance that something will have a ton of abilities piled up on top of it that's entirely possible as well for a reasonable cost it's um there's potential in this mechanic, I think, maybe more so than the other two. Yeah. Uh, we also have oil counters, which are just, you know, specific counters where cards care about, per you know, permanence with various oil counters on them. You can use the oil counters in various ways, the usual kind of stuff for, for you know, set-specific tokens. Uh, pro proliferate is a returning keyword action. Well, wait, I want to go back to oil tokens for a minute. Oh, fine. Okay. So just really quickly, because the oil counters I have been watching... I don't think we have any cards that we talk about them specifically from spoilers, but it might come up next week. So many of these cards that have oil counters on them are attached to whenever you cast a non-creature spell, add oil counter to target permanent, da-da-da, and then it does something. I think that there's a chance that in a non-creature spell type strategy where you're casting a lot of spells, say, is it with a lot of spells, there is a chance that an oil counter card could get there potentially we'll just have yeah, to see i don't disagree yeah 
And then we do have proliferate, which is a returning keyword action. When anytime you're instructed to proliferate, you just choose any number of players or permanents that already have counters on them. And for each one, and for each kind of counter it has, you add another one. There's a lot of proliferate cards in this set. Yeah. Um, proliferate's never been something that you build around in modern, really. Yeah, I don't think there was ever a moment where, in fact, used proliferate to do things. I have seen the occasional permanent that randomly has proliferate on it that would go with your planeswalkers or something like that. And in fact, there yeah. is an interesting artifact in this set that maybe we'll talk about this week or next week that has gives a, gives an ability to all of your planeswalkers that's just zero mm, yeah. colon proliferate. But I saved that one for next week, so unless you added it. I did not add it. Pro pro proliferate is a powerful mechanic, but the problem is it's always been overcosted, I think. And so if they happen yeah. to do one now where they make it cheap, could be a thing. Just to close out the mechanics, we don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I'm looking but for Fumiridin to be something. We'll see. This looks like a complex limited set. I'll say that. I'll, I'll tell you, Scars and Mirrodin block generally was not an easy set to play especially as like the third set after i came back so many counters so many weird things going on with it it was not it was not as easy set and everybody thought that infect was going to be the thing that killed everybody when we got around to, to scars in particular and then later on you know infect got a little less relevant as the block went on but there was a lot of other stuff going on in that limited environment for sure all right dave so to start this off we have some lands. We have some good lands. We have the allied fast lands are finally back. They got a uh, an environment in which they felt they could bring bla back Blackleaf Cliffs, Copperline Gorge, Dark Slick Shores, Rager Verge Thickets, and Seacrum Coast. Our allied fast lands are now in Pioneer and reprinted in the modern. It's about time. I mean, these cards were printed... I mean, God, was that like 2010 when Mirrodin came out, when Mirrodin Besiege came out? I'm going to have to check real quick. <laughs> well, while you're checking, I think these are big gets for Pioneer. Uh, more help for the, for the allied color pairs who needed the help. These cards were printed in 2010, 13 years ago. Scars and Mirrodin <laughs> was released on October 1st, 2010. We've been waiting for any reprints of these cards since then and at certain points in time like black leaves black cleave cliffs was like a 50 dollar card at different yeah, points in exactly. modern right like 45 bucks 50 bucks yeah it's wild yeah yeah Cop copperline gorge had its time as like a 20 dollar card when like dredge was a big thing you know all of these cards have had their time in the sun has have been valuable and i think they'll be valuable again uh, in pioneer more help like i said for the allied color pairs that have been lacking a little bit especially like the aggressive ones when you, you don't always want to use uh pain lands and so we've got you know rakdos mid-range selesnia angels gruel mid-range and like random gruel aggressive decks obs on grease fang Raxac. i think all of those decks will pick up some number of these yeah i and i think the biggest thing here is that i don't think it necessarily unlocks any new decks right now in pioneer for sure no. but it's huge for the format going forward to have access to these these lands um you know the the ones that are from kaladesh are played in different quantities in different places of course but they can make things easier for a future gruel deck to exist that's maybe more aggro mm -hmm. than the than the the boats deck is right now or who knows anything in the future it's just nice to have balance in that format finally by the way 
Do you know when the Kaladash Fastlands were printed? Oh, Kaladash was like, what, 2016? Yeah. So it's been six and a half years since the other ones oh my gosh. were printed. So it's been, they, they do not print these cards frequently. Yeah, so grab them while you can. Yeah, I don't think there's we anything a, else we, to say other than that. Grab them while you can. They will see play in some decks in rec, in Pioneer, like Shane said. Who knows? But I don't think it'll change Pioneer, but it will make it more balanced. Yeah, I'm going to finish up my play sets. Like, I only have like one or two Razor Ridge thickets. I only have like one or two Sea Chrome Coasts, I think. So might as well grab them. Yeah. Yeah, same. Let's talk about a weird land. An actual new card. Yes, actual new card. Yeah. The, the Mycosynth Gardens, I love the Mycosynth Gardens in the spring. It's a sphere land. You tap it to add colorless one and a tap. So you filter land into one mana of any color. And then X tap. The Mycosynth Gardens becomes a copy of target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. Okay. So right off the bat, this is cool. This is weird. This is flexible. Just target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. But we all know that there, I, I believe that there is only one that we really care about here. Maybe two. Probably. I mean, Amulet Titan, right? Right. That's the one that everybody looks at immediately and goes, wait, 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 what? Wait. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I can have, I can have two Amulet of Vigors really quickly. Yes. So here's like the new turn two line that I did, I did, I did not know this, right? I just had to look this up. So turn one, um, the Microsoft Gardens casting Amulet of Vigor. Turn two, you can play a bounce land, add green and an X, you clone Amulet, float a green, cast Grazer, play a bounce land to get to four mana. You cast Grazer or Explore or Azusa, cast Titan. Uh, it's, you know, it's like many two turn two lines. It's a little bit best case scenario mentality, but this kind of stuff does happen for Amulet Titan. And it's good to have another turn two line. Yeah, and also this... Isn't that terrible if you end up doing something like this on turn three? Or, exactly. you know, it's more consistency in a deck that everybody hates playing. And I've seen a, a number of Amulet people on Twitter talking about this, saying they think it's an auto four of in the deck, including, well, you know, somewhat well-known Magic Online player Nicholas Bruno, also known as Punt Than Wine, one of the best, one of the best Magic screen <laughs> names. Uh, you know, he said on Twitter the other day that he was sure that he was going to going straight to it as a four of in the deck. Yeah. I mean, I've also heard people say there's like limited space in Titan for the lands, but you know, no, it's there. It it's an option. It's important to know that it also does like filter mana. So you can pay for like pact of negation or like random weird, like swan song things with access to more blue mana than you might typically have. So we'll see. I think it's cool. Um, I think the other potential uses of it, are like even in like in hammer to copy hammer or esper sentinel i've heard you know lantern aficionado say things like your mill rocks your bridges that kind of thing can be copied with microsynth gardens so i think there's a lot of potential uses here there's like the overtly sort of powerful ones and then much more niche but i think that this sees play because of the applications yeah i agree one thing that's interesting i'm looking at it now it doesn't say on here that it remains a land no, it or, just becomes the artifact. Or until end of turn, it just becomes the artifact. So I do think you have to keep in mind that you're going to lose a land, a land when you yeah. do this. So if you're thinking about places to play this card, maybe that's why it makes more sense in something like Titan, where you're just going to get a ton of lands, versus something like Hammer, where you're running pretty mana light. And so sometimes yeah. it's, it's hard for you to lose a land to do something like what you're talking about. So... 
it's interesting. It's the timing is important here. Yeah, especially like in like saga decks where you're also potentially losing lands. Like maybe yes. you're making some constructs on the way or getting a permanent back out of it. Like in this, yeah, you're strictly you're gonna lose some mana. Yeah. Yeah, and worth noting, Titan plays Saga as well. Yeah. But they don't care. They just want to win on turn two or turn three anyway. So Yeah, that's I me, mean, that's the ideal. All right. Were those so all those the cool lands? lands? That's it. Those are the cool lands so that I've noticed so far. So we'll see if we've got more of that next week. Okay. What's after lands, Dave? Everybody's favorite card to argue about. We need to talk about it next, Jane. Yeah, because we're going to the one drops. Yeah, we're going to one drops. We're going to organize it by casting costs as best we can here. So one drops. Shane, I love that you put in the notes here. Are we even a magic podcast if we don't talk about this card? <laughs> and that card is talk about it. minor misstep. How, mu- how many tweets, how much digital ink was spilled over discussions in the last week about this Too much. one mana counterspell? One, one mana counterspell? That sounds great, Dave. Yeah, except it's target or counter target spell with mana value one or less Ooh, for or one less. mana. Oh no, no, that's oh no, my rhinos. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a clear callback to mental misstep, which is in New yeah. Phyrexia. Uh, and that was and what it, just Phyrexian mana counter target spell with one, mana value one. Correct. Okay. A card that is patently bananas. And that I know one time I mentioned might be okay to unban on this podcast. I had been drinking. What can I say for myself? Um, <laughs> I don't think that's true. But what do you think about this card where you actually pay for it, though? Okay, this card, fine. Where you actually pay for it. So this is probably unplayable, right? I mean, like, you can, <laughs> like, so, like, so why is, why is Spell Snare good, right? Like, Spell Snare, I mean, why is Spell Snare maybe okay? It's like it gets you mana advantage and helps on the draw. Yeah. And like you could you could look at this spell and say, well, Shane, isn't this better on the play? You know what's potentially better on the play is like doing anything proactive most of the time. Uh, yeah. Does the in the, the drawbacks for this are that you can't counter anything with mana value anything else than one or less, right? And it's like you can say the same thing about spell snare, of course, too, right? But like spell snare is like a, a like a cheeky one of sometimes. Coming up to two of in Murktide lately. I don't know if you looked at the oh mocks gosh. over the weekend, but, but there were there were multiple Murktide players with two two spell snares main. I mean, I imagine so. Part of that, right, is just like, hey, like if I get someone with a spell snare, then I'm getting mana advantage out of it, and I know there's a lot of two mana spells that I care about tagging, especially things like Ren and Six, or maybe if they for some brilliant reason predicted that there would be two people on Domain Zoo, they must have listened to our podcast and, and chosen Domain Zoo to take to the mocks. There were there that was crazy, right? It, I, it is funny how many cards in Domain Zoo get countered by Spell Snare. Yeah, but for me, I feel like you don't get a lot back out of this. Besides saying like I paid one mana for your one mana spell as well. So I can, I don't have to hold up as much mana. I maybe can, uh, I mean, there's a lot of powerful one mana spells in modern. There's like Unholy Heat and Thoughtseize and I don't know, all, all kinds of stuff, right? Ragavans. Ragavans. Yeah. Dragon's Rage Channeler. Yeah. But uh, lots of other one mana spells deal with those already that don't have to be reactive. Yes. However, this does deal with both Thoughtseize and Ragavan, and we've never we haven't seen too many cards for one mana that deal with a creature spell and a non-creature spell, and that's the real point of this do- design or the interesting thing to talk about here, at, at least. Sure. What do you think about it? 
I've gone back and forth a couple times. When I first read it, I was like, ooh. And then when I thought about it, I was like, this is one of those cards that just really illustrates probably the best summation I saw this is someone who posted a tweet that had a picture <laughs> of Peak, a picture of Gitaxian Probe, a picture of Mental Misstep, and a picture of Minor Misstep all together and said, just posting these cards here together for no reason. <laughs> yeah, because as we know... Peak is just basically unplayable. And Peak is literally the same text as yes. Gitaxian Probe. It just costs one blue. And nobody ever plays it. You're right. And then here we have the same thing, but for Mental Misstep. Except for Mental Misstep doesn't counter zero mana spells. Yes. Which, it's you strictly know, worse, Dave. Whatever. Get rid of it. Whatever there. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Like, I, I do I look at this card and say this is definitely completely unplayable? I don't. I think no. that there's some chance that this makes sense in a really teched out counter package of some kind. But I don't think that there's a place where this card is a four of at all. So it's definitely like in the same bucket for me as Ceremonious Rejection, which is a card that doesn't get played anymore. And then what's the new one that was getting played recently? Because it fought off it fought off Cascade and it fought off creativity both it's a one blue oh, man that would test of talents if you had delirium oh for, guess, yeah sorceries. Sort of all the, the copies of that spell yeah and this card and spell snare like i think that this is a fine one mana counter spell to have around to potentially use in certain metagames maybe it's a two of someday that's that's kind of yeah. how i feel about it and then on another day it won't be around anymore but i don't think that this is like a new staple beyond being in a consideration yeah. set okay i mean do you think that's overreaching no i think it's fine like i mean i think i mean i think it you know I, there's no reason to go to you know die on the hill and just be like unplayable but i would be surprised to see it have enough utility just simply because of the narrowness yeah it's definitely not a four of <laughs> we'll see where it goes from there this card though yeah did you have some feelings for venerated rot priests, <laughs> or as I keep wanting to call it, venerated riot priest. <laughs> well, I uh, I think that it's that's actually a pretty good name for this card because it's what it's a one two Phyrexian druid for a single green mana. It has toxic one, uh, which again gives a poison counter one poison counter every time this would deal combat damage. Shane, that sounds bad, but whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, target opponent gets a poison counter. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, target opponent gets a poison counter. Becomes the target of a spell. A spell. Not your spells. Yes. A spell. A spell. Now we're talking. Not opponent spells. Any spell. Yeah. Shane, now let me ask you a question. We're talking here. Let me ask yeah. you a question. Do you like spells? On a scale from one to spell, I'm definitely spell. Your spell? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird scale. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're just like immediately, like, what are the cheapest ways for me to break this card? Whether it's breaking it or like using it in like in the, an unfair way, but that's not completely broken. Like there's got to be janky combos that like die to strong breezes, but this card can go right in there. You know, there is one right away because the first thing that everybody looks at this with a card like this is always ground rift. Ground rift. Ground rift, which is a single mana storm spell that gives... What does it do? It says target creature can't be can't block this turn. Is that what ground that rift does? Right. 
That sounds right. It does not matter what this card does. So this card is a single mana red, and it yeah, says... Target creature, without, target creature without flying, because the ground is, you know, is bumpy. Rifting. Yeah. We're in Rift World when you play this card. Um, target creature without flying can't block this term and has Storm. So people try this all the time with things like Nif Magus Elemental. They mm-hmm, tried it a little mm-hmm. bit when those Magecraft cards came out in Strixhaven. This is just the cheapest oh, yeah. of the Storm cards, right? Yeah, like Aspiring Spikes and like Boros Ground Rift combo decks with like, you know, Ancestral Anger and Emerge Unscathed and whatnot, Mutagenic Growth. Yeah. And trust Some me. Some interesting things about this, though. These are all cards that I like. These are cards that I would love to be in a deck together. You know, Spencer from our Discord shared a Ground Rift Rot Priest list with me earlier today that was filled with like all the all the cheap spells. It's like Bobble and Mutagenic Growth and Ground Rift. It looks like Prowess, kind of, honestly, when you start to look at these things together. But people really think that in this broken version, this Ground Rift version, that it's it's possible to kill very early with very low mana. Like we're talking yeah. God draw turn two. And the thing that's crazy about Rot Priest versus other things like this is that you don't have to uh, you don't have to attack with it to do it. And so it makes it hard to interact with, right? Because exactly if your spells are instant speed, which the ones in this particular ground rift combo are not instant speed, it means that you um it means that they if they kill it or put a removal spell on the stack, you can still react to it and do stuff to get more counters off. Yeah. Which in my mind brings me back to kind of where I think it's more possible that this card will see play. I mean, it'll see play, but I think like a lot of shells like this, it could be su- surprisingly fragile. But yeah. What I, what uh, I like about this. That's not a surprise, no. Shane. Could surprise me. the idea. Fragile. But you're going to be the <laughs> nice I, one on this spoiler episode? I mean, maybe. So <laughs> there's a couple of things I do like about Venerated Drop Priest, though. Okay, like right. so you don't have to target it with a spell. That's an interesting wrinkle. You can just kind of target anything. Uh, so you can like attempt, you can like do a, a combo thing where let's say it's like, you know, a, a Boros Ground Rift deck or like a Naya Ground Rift deck that's attempting to just beat down with damage and you're applying pressure that way. And then also threatening with infect at the same time. Uh, so they, they might you might be like, okay, well, you want to kill the creatures that are attacking you, and so you can't really attack my venerated rot priest at the same time, potentially. Uh, and but like it's if you're casting those spells on creatures, you're likely already kind of winning, maybe. You know what I mean? But you don't have to attack, like you said. So you don't have to like send them to their impending doom. You can just like be casting spells on your creatures and then dealing passive damage with like weird uh, toxic reach. Yeah, why are we just talking about putting this in Infect? Well, I, I feel a, like that was the next step. I feel like yeah, but you're kind of like, what if there was a deck where what you did was attack <laughs> with creatures that you put pump spells on at instant speed, but also if you had to, you could target them at Rot Priest. Oh man, you're right. Why not what just if? do the thing? <laughs> why not just do the thing already in Infect? Where it's just like, we were talking about this in the Discord today, and I was kind of like, well, you know, Infect's not that great, and like, blah, 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 but it's also just like, so what What does this add to Infect? It doesn't actually swing with Infect, what is it doing? And here's what it's doing, it's giving you Infect Lightning Bolts. It's just, That's it's kind just of what Infect I think. Reach. Yeah. They cost a lot. It's a lot of card advan- disadvantage, let's say, to sure. be able to have Infect Lightning Bolts, but, you know. Well, it's more like Infect, uh, what, like... Not even what's a, a gut shot you pay mana for? What's Livid, a one mana burn spell? Lava dart. 
needle sure, drop. Sure, lava darting him. Yeah. I, I think it could be part of the infect strategy because, like, you know, I sort of see, you know, in, in a world where infect does not die to fury all the time, it's, you know, you, you get enough in and you're like, crap, I'm having a really hard time attacking in here. And then you sort of hold hold a couple spells in hand, draw into a venerated rod priest, play, or play the rod priest. They target the rod priest with removal, and you have a couple instant speed spells in hand and finish them off. Yeah, yeah, I think that's totally possible, reasonable, potentially a thing that could help, in fact, be a thing again. I mean, if you look at the traditional, like, blue green in fact lists from way back in the day i mean nobody plays those ones at all anymore but you could be going up to having 12 or 12 creatures plus ink moth nexus in there with in fact right which is not what you used to have you used to only have eight and then you're kind of doing your thing and if you look at the deck that's kind of more likely for people to play these days which is black green in fact they Mm -hmm. have a card in there called plague stinger right now Mm-hmm. which is a 1-1 flying infect creature for 2 CMC. It's just mm-hmm. a flying infect 1-1 for 2 mana. I feel like if you were going to play black-green infect right now, you would probably go for Rot, Rot Priest over this card anyway, although it does have evasion in the same way that you know uh, Blighted Agent has evasion. So I don't know. But it yeah. feels to me like there's something where this just gives an, an infect strategy reach and something to do with pump spells especially if you get in a scenario like you said where you get a hit in and someone tries to kill your thing and then you vines a vast wood so you get someone for like five let's say right Mm -hmm. and then it goes to their turn and then they fury you and they clear your board and then you drop rot priest and get a pump a couple of spells off and maybe you have the reach to make it happen bob's your uncle yep bob is your uncle my uncle's name is Chris, but uh, oh. what's our next single single mana value spell, David? This card, I don't know about this card, Gleeful Demolition for a single red. It's a sorcery. It says, destroy target artifacts. And it says, if you control that artifact, create three one one red Phyrexian goblin creature tokens. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. I mean, this is this is of course a new version of Kodotha Rebirth. One of my yep. one of my favorite spells I've never cast in my life. It was fun and limited, and I know that it's a staple of Pauper in different ways. Yeah, it's a red sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice an artifact, create three one one red goblin creature tokens. So that is a, a, a cost sacrifice. This is a destroy target artifact. So what you can do this in kind of interesting things that are different though like you can target indestructible artifact lands you can target stuff like experimental synthesizer for value i mean there's a lot of talk about this you know from the enthusiasts of like things like eight whack eight kodotha effects really bad creativity tech who knows like really bad creativity tech (laughs) target your clue token i don't know like there's there's a lot of stuff to do with this and like the fallback is a red sorcery shatter one red yeah. mana sorcery shatter because it's just target artifacts. So you can just target your opponent's stuff for for value if you know you really need to. In the infrequent moment where they do that. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean it is it is it it is a combo quote unquote combo piece that has a fallback into just being interaction, sort of, which is is cool. I mean I think the place for this that it's most possibly to be used is probably eight whack esque kind of things. Because now we have a world where we have eight goblin bushwhackers that are 
reasonably costed, even for modern, you know, with the, mm-hmm. the original one. And then I forget the name of the second one that has the second spell you cast ability. And then you have eight Koldotha effects. So now we have this kind of rule of eight deck going on where what it is is a hyper aggro creature swarm strategy that you can mm-hmm. probably do some damage pretty fast. It may be a really good budget deck in modern. Yeah. I mean, rule of eight's important. That's kind of the thing here. It, if you're relying on a Kledothu effect, now you have a lot more to fall back on. The, I mean, there's like some value stuff, like, you know, wish claw talisman. Yeah. You, you can activate it in response, I believe. And so yes. like you can, you can, you can search up the card, get some tokens at the same time and they don't get the wish claw. That's right. And then what you do is you use wish claw to search up a um, diabolic and in, diabolic intent. And then you sacrifice the token to diabolic intent to get another card. So Ooh. it's just eight tutors, eight Kaldothas. <laughs> Shane, that perfect, was perfect. Perfect deck building. Yeah. Perfect deck building. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. I think Dave, you got cool. this next one. Yes, I did add this next one. I do think there's one more card that we should talk about right now. And I'm looking through the spoilers right now to see if there's even anything else since we made these notes. But Screlve, can I just tell you how tired Skrelv. I am of these names? You don't can like not? I mean, Screlve is just, Screlve is a symbol of my discontent. <laughs> Screlve. He's a Defector Might, though, or they are. <laughs> Screlve, Defector Might, a single white for a 1 1. Toxic 1. Screlve, Defector Might, can't block. It is a legendary <laughs> artifact creature, Phyrexian Might. Mm-hmm. It fills up only one. that type line <laughs> so much. And here's what Screlve does it's a 1 1. It has Toxic 1, like we said, but what it has is a f- white Phyrexian mana. And tap to choose a color, another target creature you control gains toxic one and hex proof from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by creatures of that color this turn. Mm-hmm. So it just has protection. Yeah. Even though it doesn't say why, protection. Yeah. Why, why not say protection? I mean, maybe there's something. It's so I can still cast spells on it that are of the color, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So white or Phyrexian, what do you want to do with this? I mean, I, I think that it's worth noting, so Pioneer doesn't have access to a good Mother of Runes, Giver of Runes effect like this. And so I think that there's a chance that this can just be a good card that's around in Pioneer to do things in creature combos that want protection. Now, I don't know what that is, but it's just inter- an interesting new tool for the format that actually is at a pretty reasonable mana cost in the sense that... Mm-hmm. It costs one mana and it's free to use as long as you're willing to pay two life. So it feels like pioneer level protection effect. Yeah. I mean, it's not a human, which is like an issue for like white humans decks. But like you said, I mean, it doesn't have to go into humans. It could go uh, like some, some aura Z deck back in the day or, I mean, I don't know what it's going to go into, but it's something that you said, like, like you said, like you said, it's it's something that we're kind of missing this effect a little bit. You get me, Shane. Having a reusable effect like this in auras, though, would make some sense. There's even, I think there's some tools in this set, we'll talk about one a little bit later, that makes Pioneer Hammer a more viable potential option. And mm-hmm. so that's that's a deck that some people have messed around with a little bit. And this is a card that, you know, if you want to protect your 
creature that you manage to sneak a hammer onto, this can help with that too. There's one more one mana card I'd like to talk to you, talk about, Shane. It was just spoiled. Okay. This is a one mana artifact. Mm-hmm. It costs a single black. It is called Vat of Rebirth. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure who spoiled this because it's not on the spoiler sites yet, but I think by the time this episode comes out, it will be. So we're going to talk about it. And it says, it's an artifact, and it says, whenever another artifact or creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put an oil counter on Vat of Rebirth. Okay. Two colorless, black, and tap. Remove four oil counters from Vat of Rebirth. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. Okay. Okay. What do you I mean, think about this when you look at it? Oil counter, remove foil oil counters, return to user and graveyard to the battlefield. So what do you want to return here? Because, I mean, I, we know lots of ways that these types of decks have to put stuff into the graveyard, but what is worth two and a black and all the, the, the buildup as your payoff? So a couple of different questions, right? <laughs> like... Depends on the format, I think. I mean, this is a single mana card. It's probably too slow for modern, but I do think that there's a chance that in a deck that's full of treasures and food tokens, that Mm -hmm. you could potentially bring back something giant like using this to bring back your Troll King or whatever in a food deck, or having some kind of thing that you discard with Cookbook. Yeah to be able to bring back a giant reanimation token with this, you know, whenever another artifact or creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, this works with tokens. This works with treasure tokens. This works with creature tokens. This works with blood tokens. And you you could, you could spin this thing up quickly. You could fill that vat. Yes. You can fill the vat pretty quick. I mean, someone in our Slack today, Slack, what is this? 2018 years ago. Discord pointed out that you can use this. I'm looking at it. Oh, if you cat oven with this, you oh, get yeah. two tokens immediately, uh, two oil tokens on it immediately. Oil counters. Yeah. I mean, cat oven runs really lean. So like, you know, what's the big, the big payoff, but I, I like the, you know, the example that you gave of like, even like a Asmo food deck, there's definitely a lot of stuff moving in and out of zones. And like, you could definitely, like you said, have some larger payoffs as part of your whole discard strategy there. Now, can I have you reread this card really quickly? Because there is a piece of text that I assumed was on this card that is not on this card. Uh Oh, you don't sacrifice Vat of Rebirth. Correct. When you first read this, you assume that this card sacrifices when you activate the activated ability. You do not. So you can take four oil counters off this and then just start it over. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm comparing the two, but that's kind of the same thing like Aetherworks Marvel would do right it's just like hey this thing just stays around you just right. keep that marvel going yeah this is a all right shane said it vat rebirth aetherworks marvel <laughs> 2.0 it's got its own novel token counter type on it as well yep hey we're there we did it we did it but i just think this card is interesting you know spencer from our chat posted a, a list where he was aiming to reanimate ashen rider in pioneer with it which is a powerful you know, stacks type card. You can use this in conjunction with Fable the Mirror Breaker to get a whole lot of the tokens. You know, you can have a goblin token. It makes treasure. You get the other creature. It's a lot. It's a lot going on here. I mean, you're right. Yeah. I think that's not to be overlooked. All right. This is a grindy, it's a grindy engine. Another grindy engine. For one mana. Yeah. And that's the last of our one mana cards for now. Not a ton. 
of one mana value stuff to talk about in this, which is a little bit of a downer for now. We'll see if anything else comes out. Shane, we talked about these one mana cards for like 30 minutes. So I know. I, I'm, I I'm, we're already okay. running slow. Okay. <laughs> we let's we can speed through a few of these, I think, because we have we have Kemba, Ka Enduring, one in a white legendary creature, Cat Cleric. It's a 2-2. Whenever Kemba or another cat ETBs under your control, attach up to one target equipment you control to that creature. And equipped creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And three white white create a two two white cat creature token so here's like an interesting sort of core outfitter variant and fortunately it doesn't equip to like target creature you control but only cats or itself I mean, it's not really a core out i guess it's a combination of core outfitter and silver seal paladin right and silver seal paladin is way better than this card like what is way, way, way like pure steel or silver steel? Is there Sorry, a silver pure steel, steel I don't paladin? Know about? Okay, pure steel this, paladin. I mean this feels yeah. like core outfitter where EDTBs and then sticks the hard to equip thing onto something right Okay. But you can do it over and over again. You just have to keep playing uh, yes. creatures. That's and a good Core point. Outfitter yes. is a one-shot. This is not a, really a one-shot. And in fact, it even comes with an activated ability if you ever find yourself in that space where you can pay three white-white for a token yeah. that you can re-equip to the token. That's the joke, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, what? This is not like a modern hammer card, but is this like our pioneer hammer card? I do think there's a chance that this could make Pioneer Hammer, which I said was already kind of a thing. It's a bunch of cats. how you look at it. Yes. There's a bunch of cats. Weirdly, there are a bunch of cats. Let's talk about the cats. Okay, so this is the second equipper that goes with Sigarda's Aid. It's probably, it's not as good as Aid, but, you know, for Pioneer, maybe it's okay. But the fact that it only attaches to cats, here are the cats. (laughs) There are two one-mana cats that are interesting to me. One is okay. called Dread Malkin. I know this card. You know why? Okay. It was in it was in my like one drop black deck that I would use for black quests on Arena. Okay. I love I love the Dread Malkin. What's Dread Malkin do? It's what is it like a one two with menace or something like that? Or yeah, I think it's just a one one even with menace. Okay. Honestly. Okay. But here's the one that's more important, and that is Sacred Cat from Amon Cat, which is a one one for one lifelink with embalm for one. Oh yeah. You gotta embalm it. Yeah, you gotta embalm it. And then there's Wiley Bandar, which is a one mm-hmm. one for one. And that one can get indestructible if you have enough mana when you play it, which is seems like a pipe dream, but who knows? <laughs> However, so these I are not great. These are I, I actually think that Sacred Cat is not too bad as far as this kind of thing goes. Um, and then, of course, you would still play Ornithopter and those kind of things, potentially. Sure. But the notable 2CMC one is Adorned Pouncer, which yeah. gives, which has Double Strike on a 1-1 okay, for 2 mana, and then also has Embalm. Now, the Embalm cost is very expensive on Adorned Pouncer. It's like 5. But still... Yeah, I mean, a Double Strike a double strike hammered up Adorned Pouncer, let's do it. It's just like hitting him with an Ink Moth Nexus, Shane. Perfect. It's just exactly yeah. like it cat in fact yeah i don't and know you get, I, mean, I mean you get plus one plus one too so it's even better than regular old hammer that's right i mean it's probably dumb but it feels like surprisingly there's better cats available to try to mess with low on the mana curve than you would expect i mean honestly even if you're not doing a bunch of cat stuff like i think just like kemba coming down and equipping uh an equipment to it is 
is dece. Do you know what I mean? Like, hey, like it's a core operator that only targets itself. It cheats a hammer onto it. There's other kind of cards that we've talked about doing some hammer cheaty stuff as well in previous sets. So, I mean, we keep getting slowly and surely towards a janky hammer deck in Pioneer. Yeah. Hammer's Perfect. worth the payoff. That's the main thing that we know. It's just a question of how do you make it happen. All right. Another card that I don't think is really worth talking about. Ossification, a one and a white enchantment aura that enchants a basic land you control and then it just ex- it basically chained to the rocks for any basic land and it costs one generic mana more so it's probably too much yeah i i don't know about this card it, especially if you look at modern leyline binding is so much better in modern oh, yeah, i mean not modern no yeah and then if you look at pioneer it's like i don't think that it's worth having this to it if this had flash i could see this being like maybe you would give it sure. a try with along with the planeswalker stuff but i feel like i feel like leyline binding is even better in pioneer than this card is so i i don't know yeah it's a skip probably i just wanted to point it out it does exist mm-hmm. yep all right the next card is one that caused some stir when it was spoiled and that is soulless jailer mm-hmm. soulless jailer and oh four yeah roll jur artifact creature phyrexian golem at least it's not called like Kurjikish, Soulless Jailer, or something like that. It's a legend. Um, Permanent cards and graveyards can't enter the battlefield. Players can't cast non-creature spells from graveyards or exiles. It's a familiar amount of text on here. Yeah. It's an 04 artifact creature. I mean, it's just like a Graph Digger's Cage type thing. Other kind of anti-graveyard options that have like sort of static artifact abilities. Uh, It's interesting. I mean, having it on a creature is almost always worse than having it on an artifact because it just can die to different types of removal. Yeah, except for, you know, the decks that are built to search things up at instant speed or, you know, cheat things into play. You know, so we're talking things like Court of Calling or we're talking like, what's that one card that was in Brothers War randomly? Mm. The the green card that lets you do uh, Survival of the Fittest basically fauna shaman like is okay. it a fa- or did you do fauna shaman kind of stuff with it like if you were searching up creatures in a deck that's toolboxy this kind of thing can be good and i don't think we have one that's quite like this available to us right now and it's an 04 so it doesn't die to lightning bolt you know it yeah, doesn't die to shock effects it doesn't you know removal's not easy super easy against it i mean the the real issue here is that something like yogmoth which is like our preeminent you know uh, tutor deck in modern, I'd say, you don't want this card. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, yes, you would, you don't want this card played against you and you don't want to put it into play. Yes. So it's an interesting option. It's an option that exists and therefore it's cool. And we talked about it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Shane. Thanks okay. for adding it to the spoiler list for me. No problem. Filigree Silex, a two mana legendary artifact. Tap, put an oil counter on the filigree silex. Tap, sacrifice the filigree silex. You destroy each non-land permanent with mana value equal to the equal to the number of oil counters on the filigree silex. Tap, remove ten oil counters from all permanents you control, and sacrifice the filigree silex. It deals ten damage to any target. So, this is just a strictly better ratchet bomb, right? Yes, it's the same card. I mean, it's legendary, but you're never having like four, a couple of ratchet bombs on the battlefield, really. Getting so this is like marginally useful. Out. Marginally useful. Uh, if you do happen to get it up to 10 oil counters and deal 10 damage, like that can actually happen. 
You're not getting it up to 10 counters, though. Yeah. Oh, well, among permanents, you control, which is in yeah. itself. Right. Itself plus other permanents. So if you have yeah. that reanimation thing that we were talking about, for example. Okay. Okay. You okay. know. And I think there's some other cards in here, like I said, or maybe we're not going to talk about them this week because they're late spoilers. But you know, there's a there's like a one one goblin that has trample that, or an o one goblin for one mana that has trample that gets oil counters that gets bigger. And so I, I think there's a I don't know how like the effects of these cards don't make any sense <laughs> together, but there's a chance that there might be some oil cards that go together to make something like filigree silex do its thing. Very low probability though. I think Rashid yeah, I mean, is not like a great card. So no, it's not seen very often, but this is better than ratchet bomb, but you know, it doesn't matter. Maybe not. Mostly not. Okay. Is that all of our two drops so far? Really? Not that many. Yeah. I'm double checking right now and it's not, it's not a ton. We start getting more interesting as we get up the mana curve, which is, you know, typical, especially for a standard power level set. You're going to have more power and more interesting effects isolated up on the curve. So let's get into our three drops. Okay. This is the Blade of Shared Souls we talked about earlier on. I mean, like I said, that's that's the one that kind of clones things. It's not like Glasspool Mimics. He's a lot of play. That's a three mana value clone. That's also a land. I think that's probably better than Blade of Shared Souls. But, you know, this exists. It's a thing. You get a 2-2 Red Rebel out of it. Yeah, unfortunately, the problem with these clone effects is that it's a copy of target creature you control instead of just a copy yeah. of target creature, so it can't be the best of what's on the battlefield. Yeah. So, I don't know about this one. I'm still hopeful for the mechanic, but I feel like they're holding a Fermiridin card in the back pocket somewhere. Let's see what it is. <laughs> so It's got to be. It's got to be one pretty good one, right? And I haven't seen one yet. Let's talk about the other equipment before we go on. Okay. Sword. There is a sword. Sword of Forge and Frontier. Is this the one we have so far? Do we have the other one yet? I feel like there's going to be... They're going to complete the, the cycle of 10 in this set. They've is there only a, one more left? I believe there's only one more left, because we got... We have five original, then we had three allied ones in Modern Horizons 1 and 2, if you can remember those are real winners. Okay. And then we have this one. And so we have one left. One allied wow. sword. So this one is the... So Sword of Frozen Frontier, three mana, equipment, gives plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and green. Whenever, so, but here's, you know, here's the, here's the stuff that we care about. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. You may play an additional land this turn. Equip two. So I think this one's pretty good. And I don't yeah. know how good. But so, and here's why I think it's good. The best swords, the one that you see play, give you some kind of legitimate card advantage in the form of like card draw or permanent removal. And this one at least gets you that. It gets you card draw and it has potential mana advantage, although that seems like a little bit more like kind of win more or like gravy on top. Like play those cards this turn is a nice bit of text because you can play lands, of course. Yeah, I actually think that the best the best swords are so so. Let's just say which two are the best. There's really only fire two, and ice. Two that are, yep. Feast and famine. Those are the two best ones, I think. Too. Yeah. There's a little bit of a chance that light and shadow is on that list, yes, but that's okay. these three all tower above the other ones. Like if I was gonna force rank these, it would be like fire and ice, feast and famine, light and shadow, war and peace, and then the rest of them. Yeah. Basically. And body of mind would be at the bottom unless you're playing limited. But the um, the thing that sort of feast and famine does is that 
you know, when you hit with them, it lets you untap all lands you control, which is mm -hmm. basically sort of like a strategy where you can play a more controlling-ish sword strategy, where if you hit, you know you're going to get all your mana back. And this isn't as powerful as that, but it does let you play another land this turn, so it does give you extra mana to have available to do things when you use this card as your strategy. Now, uh, Forge and Frontier doesn't really seem quite powerful enough for modern to be a part of any of those packages, but there yeah. are no cards like this in pioneer anywhere. So I don't know, maybe there's a chance, but there's also nothing that searches up equipment in pioneer <laughs> yeah. either really. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's an interesting card. I, like you said, I don't think this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, I can't wait to slot this into my Stoneforge deck, but I do think that it's, you know, maybe a tier two sword as opposed to straight garbage. Yeah. Do you know what color pair is not completed yet? Uh, allied color, color pair. So there are nine swords. Yes. Nine, there's nine already. So there's there's five opposing and four allied counting this mm -hmm. one. We, I know we have blue-white. That's in mm -hmm. Modern Horizons. Yep. Tell me, Dave. Blue-black. Oh, Demir Sword. Demir Sword is the one that's missing. The only one that's missing, which I was surprised by. But look, I'm looking at Scryfall right now. Here's my guess for the Demir Sword, by the way. In this coming set, out, it'll have... Here's my guess. It's coming out six years from now, but go ahead. <laughs> Pro proliferate. Yeah, I think it'll have Proliferate on it, too. It's a good call. Blue-black is a... Or pr proliferate is a very blue-black ability. Mm -hmm. No no home for Sword of Forge and Frontier, but we we, we acknowledge your existence, Sword. <laughs> Man, Dave, do you want to talk about some bad cards? You know, some I, run I want to talk about cards. some weird cards that you're interested in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Glissa Sunslayer, one black green. I mean, this card's not good. Phyrexian Zombie Elf 3 3 with first strike and death touch. Whenever Glissa deals combat damage to a player, you get to choose one where you draw a card and lose a life. You destroy a target enchantment or remove up to three counters from target permanent. Uh, no trample, no evasion. Pioneer rock players, maybe you can keep dreaming. I don't know. Yeah, I got nothing for this card. I, I don't, I don't know what this good. is. Drawing your card is good. nice, but it has to deal combat damage to a player, so it's kind of like just Ophidian, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like maybe you know you live you live the dream where I'm keeping the board clear and attacking. It's like yeah, Grim Flayer wants to do that too, and it doesn't do a very good job of it either. Yeah, yeah. This this card is from another era of Magic, I think personally, which we don't get to live in anymore in our formats in particular. So. Yeah. All right, another bad creature spell. And then I'll, I'm going to hand some stuff over to you to talk about Malkator, Purity Overseer. One white, blue, legendary Phyrexian Elephant Wizard, my favorite. Elephant. Uh, elephant Wizard. It's, so here's your three mana, one, one. But when it ETBs, you create a 3 3 colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature token. At the beginning of your end step, if three or more artifacts ETB'd under your control this turn, create a 3 3 colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature token. Like, 1 1 stinks, right? But I mean, this is interesting. Like, I'm not really sure the payoff is worth anything here. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, I mean, there's a lot of ways to generate bodies more quickly, right? Where it's like, yeah, I cast, I got three artifacts that ETB'd, and I have, you know, six, six worth of golems, but uh, I also could have made, like, what, like, maybe four uh, one, one artifacts off of my, you know, that new Is It uh, Season yeah. Pyromancer thing. Yeah. 
I don't know, man. <laughs> this is a, a fun callback to the splicer. Yeah. Cycle. Those, Blade Splicer is the best one. Those had first strike. Those, those well, were th- cool. There was a whole cycle. There, there was one that gave him trample. There was one that gave him... I don't know what oh, the yeah. black one gave him. Menace, maybe. These ones had first strike. This is like a fun callback to that idea from the original Mirrodin block. But this card... You know, the thing that's hard about this is that artifacts entering the battlefield under your control this turn is not easy to accomplish on your opponent's turn. <laughs> you know, so yeah. you can do it on your turn through some kind of loop and then do it on their turn. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so on this one. All right. What's the next one here? You want me to read this one? Please. I keep reading things. These are all my Mi- terrible picks. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to read a different card. <laughs> You're not going to read about Miglaws. You don't want to say Miglaws. I don't think I'm reading about Miglaws. Mig-laws. That's my favorite Beck album. My favorite, my favorite opening track off of... The logic of your Miglaws. <laughs> so what you want to do with Miglaws Mage Crusher is play it in your Maze's End deck because when a Maze is crushed, it's at the end, right? Did it. Perfect. Love it. Perfect. All right. Can we talk about Mirren Safe House? Is this on your list? It is no. not. Mirren what Safe is House. As long as Mirren Safe House is on the battlefield, it has all activated abilities of all land cards in all graveyards. Okay. This is a cool card. Uh, th- I mean, I skipped this one. I thought it was, I thought it seemed goofy. Tell me about this card. I mean, I don't have a ton of great ideas of how to use it right away, but there are so many ways to get lands into your graveyard at this point. Yeah. I mean, it does cost yeah. three it's three to be able to basically have like a mana rock that does any color, which probably isn't worth it in modern. And it's probably some kind of really specific use case, but I just imagine people doing wild things with this card for some reason. Maybe it's just a legacy where dark depths is legal that you can do some stuff with Mirren, Mirren safe house and dark depths or Westvale Abbey, or I don't know. I mean, there's probably something, right? I mean, you're probably right, but it's one of those things where it just it seems too expensive for what I'm doing with it. I mean, this definitely seems like EDH. Yeah, I bet there's some EDH stuff going on here too. All right, that's Miglaws and Mirror Safe House. We're not talking about either one of those. How about one <laughs> a card that actually I think does have some potential for modern specifically? Okay, and that is Tyvar Jubilant Brawler. Perfect. Yes, this is actually a card worth discussing. Tyvar, one of the first Planeswalkers we're going to talk This set has a ton of Planeswalkers in it. This is another, we have 10 Planeswalker sets. Yeah, this uh, is weird. So Tyvar is Legendary Planeswalker. This is the like elf lord from Kaldheim. You may activate abilities of creatures you can you control as though those creatures had haste. So Tyvar has a, a static ability just like a War of the Spark-style Planeswalker. And then it has a plus one, untap up to one target creature, and a minus two, mill three cards, then you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Its starting loyalty is three. Yeah. So this just, this is a unique walker, right? Like it does, it has very particular use cases, I think. And it has some interesting chops with stuff like Devoted Druid, combo decks i don't know if that makes it good it doesn't really seem like it it doesn't do a lot besides like enable these creature synergies but maybe that's just enough to be playable right where it's like the 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 milling three cards returning a creature card with mv two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield 
uh, that's, that's and, it, and then it has haste, so that's perfect. Well, you're just like, hey, I get my my devoted druid back out of the yard and immediately go off. But isn't there already like that black spell that gets creatures back out of the graveyards and gives them haste, like yeah, post mortem lunge or something? Yeah, the only thing with this is that you can try it more than once. Uh, good point. If they don't kill your Tyvar. So, and it also doesn't exile or anything like that. So if you bring Devoted Druid back, like if you get in a situation where you play play Tyvar and then play Devoted Druid and try to go off and they kill Devoted Druid, then you can just minus two Tyvar and try to bring it back right away. Yeah, So I do think that there's something to it being a Planeswalker, a permanent that adds some extra value to that deck. I just don't know if you could... Can put together a shell where it makes sense to run that as a four of yeah. or if you really can only put this in as like a bonus friend you know it's interesting that it does let you search kind of like quasi search by doing minus two you get to mill yeah. mill the top three and see if you get lucky so yeah and the, and the plus is not bad there's plenty of creatures that can make a bundle of mana and you plus up Tyvar, you untap that creature. Like, I mean, this does not go into that shell, but we were just talking about that newer addition to like Lotus Field, where, you know, if you exert it, then it, you know, t- untaps two lands, and then you could, you know, use, I mean, not, not, you're not going to use it in that deck, like I said, but that's the kind of stuff that you can see happening where it's like my tap ability does something that is synergistic with the rest of my strategy. And then Tyvar untaps it, lets me reuse it, whether it's make like a bundle of mana off of like one of your uh, weird like mana elf lords that like makes like six to eight mana because it counts all your creatures and you get to do it again and then cast a bunch of stuff, empty your hand, cast some kind of giant court of calling. You know, if you're doing something like uh, like that to go get your uh, what the Crater Hoof Behemoth or something like that, you know, there's there's options here. Yeah, I don't know. It's it seems pretty good. Yeah, this one cool. I feel it's, like is definitely going to get some play. Yeah, it'll definitely see some kind of play in I think a variety of formats. So I'm all for it. How about this next one? Are you all for this one? <laughs> I'm going to make you say this name. No. <laughs> Unctuous. I love. Uncti- I love. Okay. Can we talk about that? This this is an actual like this is so close to a real word. Yeah, it's it's, unc- it's unctuous without the second unctuous. without the o. Unctuous. Unctuous. Uncti- it's like uncti- someone Dave. Mis- that's what that's what I always call you know tell my kids to call you. It's like someone misread a new a crossword puzzle clue and was like, oh, it's only six letters and the word is unctuous. But so I'm just gonna fit it in there. It's unctuous. This is my nightmare Scrabble rack. Yeah. <laughs> so what 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 Unctus does is it's a two four legendary Phyrexian Veldalkin. Other blue creatures you control have whenever this creature becomes tapped, draw a card, then discard a card. Other artifact creatures you control get plus one plus one, and then blue or Phyrexian mana until end of turn. Target creature you control becomes a blue artifact in addition to its other colors and types. Activate only as a sorcery. I don't know. This is like an interesting looter effect, right? But like, so what? Yeah. I mean, this is a callback to a car- card called Grand Architect that was in Scars mm-hmm. of Mirrodin that people love to try to build around as part of different artifact creature, creature packages. Short way of saying, I, I don't know what this card is. What is this card? Why am I making things into artifacts? I don't know. I don't I know. Think that, I mean, I think the what the main thing here is that you can potentially just draw cards and discard cards. That's, I mean, I'm drawing cards, Dave. I'm drawing cards. It must be good. <laughs> I'm going to attack and all of my things are looters. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about this I card. I don't know, man. It's probably Fun not callback. Good. Guess what happened to the Grand Architect? He turned into the Grand Metatect. Whoops. Can can we talk about another one where 
where it wasn't quite on the spoilers before we got a hold of it today, but it's a three drop. Yeah, what is it? This is a card that I alluded to earlier that you left off the list because I think it's more powerful than any of the cards that we've talked about so far today. <laughs> so, and it is? That is Ick, Ick, Ickmore. No, it's Icker Moon Gauntlet. <laughs> All right. Oh, that one, yes. Icker Moon Gauntlet. Icker Moon Gauntlet, I don't have the source for this, is the artifact I mentioned. It is two colorless and a blue for an artifact. It's a mythic rare. And it says, here's what it says. This is weird. <laughs> like you're just laughing already. Yeah. Planeswalkers you control have zero proliferate and negative 12 take an extra turn after this one. And then it has mm. whenever you cast a non-creature spell, choose a counter on target permanent, put an additional counter of that kind on that permanent. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of interesting text. This is the first time we've ever seen something that adds Planeswalker abilities to Planeswalkers, right? I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't believe I've seen that particular like type line where it's like even has like the little outline of like the box that would be on the planeswalker. Right. Which is really funny. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, we know how much we like casting non-creature spells. Put a put choose a counter, put additional counter of that kind on on that permanent. So yeah, I mean it works in a number of strategies. It's it's funny that like this is almost fine without the planeswalker part, but like the planeswalker I mean it's not fine without it. I would not play this card. I can see it being played in uh EDH, of course, where you're gonna want to do stuff like this, but it's yeah. it's 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 something. The minus twelve taking extra turn after this one is really the thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a combination of the two. Like, I think it's definitely, you know, there was a time where kind of super frenzy style decks were popular, and if you can play cheap planeswalkers, especially ones that cost say two mana, three mana, get a board that has a bunch of stuff going on, and then add this to the mix. Like, if you can have three planeswalkers in play, and then play Ickermoon Gauntlet, and then proliferate, proliferate, and activate somebody's ability, take an extra turn, go again. Like, it feels like there's just a lot going on there as far as a payoff to just having a deck that's just a ton of planeswalkers here. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing. I think that Shane, this will... if I could design a deck that you would never play, this would be high on my list. If it was Ooh, like, yeah. let's play Renin 6... And Narset Parter Avails, and Teferi, <laughs> Teferi Time Raveler, and I don't know, Gideon, the three mana Gideon that nobody plays anymore, like just all cheap planeswalkers. I mean, Dave, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Super Friends player back in the day. You love it. So. You love it. I mean, I think it's a cool spell, cool artifact. All right. All right. Maybe that's all it is, but we'll see. All right. Let's talk about an actual planeswalker, though. Because there's a bunch of Planeswalkers in this set, and I think there's a couple cool ones coming up in our four-drop section. We've got uh, Jace the Perfected Mind, uh, two, and then blue or Phyrexian mana, and then blue. Loyalty, five, but completed walkers. If you pay for the blue with Phyrexian life, excuse me, with Phyrexian mana, your two life, it only has three loyalty counters. So if you cast it for four mana, it's five. If you cast it for three mana and two life, it's loyalty three. It's abilities read plus one until your next turn. Up to one target creature gets minus three, minus zero, minus two. Target player mills three cards. Then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards. Otherwise, you draw a card. Minus X. Target player mills three times X cards. So completed Jace three-ish or four mana mills cards probably not horrible like you know, the 
the spell that I forget the name of it, it's in Mill. And if, again, if the graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards, is very underrated. Vision, visions of Beyond. That is the card you don't want to see your Mill opponent cast. Because then you're just like, well, poop. They just drew into a win con or two, right? right. Yeah, and, but that's literal ancestral recall. When, yeah. <laughs> when visions of Beyond, when you have it triggered. I mean, this is potential ancestral recall and a minus two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. that's that's a thing. Uh, this is a good mill walker, I think. This is a strictly a mill walker. The minus two is like synergistic with the mill strategy, provides you that card draw to keep it going. You know, if you just want to finish off your opponent or like, you know, work towards that strategy, you can like, you know, bring, bring Jace down for four, like minus four it. And like get you know twelve cards out of their library and do other things with it. So I think it's it's totally fine for what it is. I think it's going to have a home somewhere. I don't know if it goes into like straight into modern mill because they probably already have a density of cards that they uh, can win with. And this doesn't really win win you the game as opposed to your mill spells. Sort of like gravy yeah. on top. Yeah, I mean I I don't know. The the plus one is the thing that seems like the biggest bummer to me. Like that ability is pretty underrated. Minus three, minus zero oh, until the, oh, yeah. the next turn. Good protection. But I I still am kind of like I don't know about this. Everybody, let's talk about a planeswalker that I'm actually excited about. Oh, okay, cool. Nahiri the Unforgiving. Oh man, this card's good. The end of Nahiri. She got Oof. blade hands. Yeah, she got blade. More people with blade hands. Completed. Nahiri costs a generic, a red, a red or white Phyrexian mana, and a white. So Mm -hmm. she can cost three if you want with completed. And then her starting loyalty is five, unless you use Phyrexian mana, then it's three. And then she has plus one until your next turn, up to one target creature attacks a player each combat if able. Yeah. The other then she has another plus one, which is rummage. It's discard a card, then draw a card. Mm -hmm. Then she has a zero. Yes, the zero. And the zero is exile target creature or equipment card with mana value less than Nahiri's loyalty from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of it. That token gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. Sure says zero. Sure says zero. Mm-hmm. This, so this card is- just seems really good to me. I, I, I don't know, but it seems really good to me. I feel like people aren't talking about this enough, but I also understand its limitations, right? Where it's like, when I first read it, I was like, holy crap, why is no one talking about this card for real? Then I was like, okay, wait, if you cast it for three mana, then it only has three loyalty, and the zero is mana value less than Nahiri's loyalty, and, you know, that's kind of an issue, but... Oh, it's not less than or equal to. No, it is Ooh, less than. good so point. That, so that's something, right? But I, right. I can see this being, like, more of a grindy card anyway, so I'm just going to assume that you're going to bring her with five loyalty most of the time. So I can see these applications of, like, Stoneforge Mystic or a seasoned pyromancer, or grief, and fury, and solitude. You know, some kind of, like, Mardu scam type thing. Like, the the real issue, of course, is, like, fury and solitude cost five mana when you cast right. them for real. But you can very easily plus this for a variety of things. Like, the it's protection. The target creature cannot attack Nahiri, has to attack a player. The, if you're empty-handed, yeah. she just draws you a card. It does not say, if you discard a card, draw a card. It's just, discard a card, then draw a card. Oh, yeah. It, so, it That would say, if you do, draw a card. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't say that. You're so right. So it's a strictly just card draw if you're if you're top decking and, and living in that world. So it's like these are all interesting things, but just being able to get a target creature or equipment card with haste, you can uh, you know abuse ETBs. You can get back powerful things that can attack in. Of course, they do get exiled. So you you exile the target creature, and so you can't like just sort of like endlessly rebuy Furies or something like that. Yeah. I mean, when I look at this, I just want to zero Stormforge Mystic, bring Stoneforge Mystic back, yes. activate it, and get Calder complete out, yes. of my, out of my I'm library. Fi- I am fine with that, yes. Or I want to get a Pure Steel Paladin, whatever that card is <laughs> called, back when I have Metalcraft and use that to equip my hammer to something when I've run out of hammer equipping effects or get my hammer back when I have equipping effects and I don't have other stuff. I don't know if there's really space in hammer time in modern for a planeswalker, but there's a lot going on there. Yeah. I mean, so in pioneer, especially like a lot of the, the hammer shells we've been talking about continuing on this hammer train are in, Boros colors, of course, because they're so equipment focused. So this is another thing that could sort of like be in that larger shell where it's like, you know, maybe I'm doing some kind of like milling or things are getting destroyed and I want to buy them back to like get the, you know, get my Kemba back or something like that, or right. you know, get a piece of equipment that I find valuable or, you know, there's all kind of things that I think could be beneficial out of this. And just the fact that, you know, it has a zero instead of a minus like typically these are minus x effects right yeah exactly so this is pretty bonkers every time this effect has been on liliana the veil it's been minus x equal to the mana value Mm -hmm. and here it is on a three mana walker where it doesn't even die (laughs) you can try again if you have another target in your graveyard like i don't know I think this card's yeah, really mean, good. I mean, of course, we keep talking about like all these potential applications, but I, I mean, I do think that this is doing enough. It's doing enough novel things. It's cheap enough. It has a high enough loyalty. It protects itself. It draws you cards. I think there's enough here where there's a lot of options. Yeah, totally agree. Sweet. All right, let's talk about not a planeswalker. Okay. Mondrak, Glory <laughs> Dominus. All right. This is the one that really made me want to just quit magic. <laughs> Mondrak? Where I was like, I'm good. I'm good with the dames, you guys. Like, <laughs> can we not? Glory Dominus. What, is, what does Mondrak do? Mondrak, legendary creature. It's a two colorless, white, white, Frexian horror for a 4-4. If one or more tokens would be created under your control, twice that many of those tokens are created instead. Then it's one... White Phyrexian, White Phyrexian. So you can play a, gener- a generic mana and four life if you want mm-hmm. to. Sacrifice two other artifacts and her creatures. Put an indestructible counter on Mondrak Glory Dominus. Sweet. Indestruct- What's an indestructible counter? That just means I mean, it's indestructible it's like after Victoria. that? Yeah, it just has it forever after that. Oh, wow. I mean, so besides being like the $60 commander card, does this have like 60 card constructed chops? Like... I feel like it could do some cool stuff. I don't know. What am I doing with this card? What what am I doing with this card? I mean, I I think that this one and the red one, there's a red one that does like the Torbrand effect, basically, like it doubles damage from non-creature sources, um, are good cards. Like this is a good card on rates. You can make tokens. You can make a bunch of extra tokens. And then what? 
Uh, yeah, that, and then what? I, I don't know for sure. My, my issue with these kind of things is that you, know, you cast them on four if you're lucky, right? And then you have to keep doing what your deck is designed to do. But like at that point, it's like, well, have I just been holding like my my raise the alarms or something like that? Do you know what I mean? Like, or is it a so matter I can of make like four tokens instead or three tokens instead of four? I mean, that's or, a pretty. I mean, that's a that's a pretty weak example, of course, right? But it's like, well, maybe right. or maybe it's like, hey, this goes into some sort of like token creature production trigger kind of engine where it's like, I I when I play this, then all of a sudden I'm just going ham. But it's like that sort of seems like a little bit of a win more to me like this is the kind of stuff where it's like i just assume that these are for like long commander games people love creating token strategies in those and this is just gonna go right into those decks yeah i mean it's certainly that kind of thing doubling season like you said it's a huge huge effect there i also think the red one which is not on scryfall right now is good too like i said so i i think there's a chance that those mythics could be good the blue one we'll talk about maybe some of these next week but all right yeah Okay, some other stuff. Shane, I have a new, I have another card that we need to talk oh, about sweet. before we Love get it. to these other ones. What is it? It is called... Here's the casting cost of this card. It is three generic red, red, red. Oh, my. It's a four, four flyer. Okay. It is called Capricious Hellraiser. Oh, no, not this. Not this? Okay, why do you like Capricious Hellraiser? And it says, this spell costs three generic less to cast if you have nine or more cards in your graveyard. It has flying, like I said. And then it says, when Capricious Hellraiser enters the battlefield, exile three cards at random from your graveyard. Choose a non-creature, non-land card from them, and copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. They're random. Like, you, don't, you, don't like, you don't like dragons, bro? <laughs> nine or more cards in your graveyard four four flyer exile three random cards from your graveyard oh my goodness i mean this probably has like some kind of weird like dragon potential like you know a dragon storm type stuff i don't know like this that's like one of those decks that always was doing stuff against me in historic and i was like how why how why would you do this isn't this a pretty good backup four to phoenix Okay. Oh, this so yeah. This I was looking at the set and not looking closely enough because I was looking for as we are want to do, looking for either cheap spells or spells with mana reduction on them. And here's right. our mana reduction spell that I kind of overlooked. So yeah, right. if you have nine or more cards in your graveyard, you get a three red four four flyer, and then you get some kind of interesting potential value out of the pay it without its mana cost. Right. Sure. Cool. Love it. What about? A Phoenixless Phoenix deck that is sometimes known as Is It Drake's? Okay. Where you're just really playing Crackling Drake along with this so that the exiling cards out of your graveyard is not really a downside. Yeah, yeah. You know, it makes those big. Then this is also there to be kind of big and cheap sometimes. I don't know. This is just a card that, of course, makes me stop and go, I want to put this in a deck with Consider and Opt right now. And you do too, Shane, because you love Consider and, and Opt. And, 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 pieces, and Pieces of the Puzzle. Is the other I, own, I own Pieces of the Puzzle at this point in my life. So. I mean, that is a common, so I'm glad you I, have some. I don't, open a lot of, I don't open a lot of packs, Dave. I don't have a lot of comments <laughs> unless they're in constructed decks that I play. Fair. Fair. 
Um, I don't know. This card seemed like this is the card that we put in the deck for is it mages to go to rub their hands over and go, ooh, can I cast this for red, red, red? Red, red, red is still pretty costly for this card. It's still <laughs> yeah. just a 4 4 flyer that casts Lightning Bolt, but maybe that's pretty cool. Aspiring Spike card, <laughs> Brewer card. We should be so we should be so lucky. So Dave, what do you think about winding down this week with one last card, and then we can we can pick anything we missed from from this list and then talk about it next week. Okay. All right. What is it? And Tyvar's stand, and this and for our okay. episode Tyvar's last stand. Uh, X green, instant. Target creature you control gets plus X plus X and gains hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Single green mana, hexproof, indestructible, but scales for damage potential. I'm I'm not sure where this has a home, but I can see that potential. Like the issue here is like the mana inefficiency for the damage, right? It means like unless your deck can make a lot of mana, like let's say like mono green devotion or something like that. Like this doesn't seem like a legitimate include, right? Where it's like, oh, is this go into like, uh, let's just go back to like something like Infect, right? Where it's like, okay, uh, hexproof, indestructible, uh, green spell, mm, interesting. But yeah, like I'm gonna have like three mana at most, like three or four mana, and what I'm just like pumping my creature plus three plus three. It's like, eh, for for four mana. <laughs> I mean, I I love this secret mode of a single green for this to give hexproof and indestructible. Yeah, let's take a uh. Tamiyo's something or other is like the green mana. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So that's cool. I mean, I, I guess, yeah, in a deck like mono, I don't know about mono green devotion, but no. I do think that something like this could end up in an all in strategy, like in fact, where it's just like, oh, I have a couple of protection spells. I have space for a couple of protection spells that don't pump. Here's one now that does pump. And I'm just going to include it in my deck so that I have it. And then late game, occasionally, I'll get three extra damage off of it. Yeah. And mostly, I won't. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a card. I know that I saw Todd mention it. I don't know if he was just thinking Standard or Pioneer or even into Modern. But, you know, he was amped about it. And I thought it was worth mentioning just in the the type of decks that we've been talking about this you know this episode where it's just like hey this is cheap it's green it gives my stuff indestructible it helps pump things like maybe this does have a home because it you know it targets your creatures it, it does it keeps them alive why not yep totally agree why not this is definitely a, a reasonable card to keep on your mind when you're building decks like that yeah that's not a bad first week i mean there's no, it's this is a it seems like a slightly powered down set there's nothing that's like, I mean, there's a few things that I think are like pretty cool, but nothing's like blowing my mind. I can't figure out how many cards are released out of this set for what it's worth. So I know if I had a better, like, I wonder how much is left to see even. It's been a messed up spoiler season. I apologize again to all those folks who maybe had their spoilers spoiled. Uh, so hopefully this doesn't happen again. But, you know, for now, we'll just have to roll with the punches and keep talking about these cards. But for now. That wraps up this week's show. If you haven't, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please feel free to leave us a rating or a review if you can. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so at on Twitter or at the Dive Down, all one word. You can email us uh, the Dive Down 
at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, of course, you can go to patreon.com slash the dive down to uh, keep us going, get some swag for yourself and check out the store over at the dive slash store. Of course, manatraders.com helps keep us going. You can sign up for mana traders using promo code the dive down 10, all one word for 10% off your first two months of renting magic online cards. You can of course also get some amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more at barrister and man. Use code the dive down 2023 for 15% off your first order. Save money on paper cards over at Nerd Rage Gaming using code DIVE8 for 8% off your order. Thanks to Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, enjoy something unctuous. Unctuous.